0: Hello, and welcome to this podcast presented by the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs.
1: Okay, welcome everybody to the uh, October 3rd session of the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs on a uh, kind of cool fall afternoon now. So welcome to all of you. Uh, We're pleased with the uh, turnout but as you can see we expected more. But uh, we're grateful to the uh, uh, candidates in the civic election for showing up because it helped fill the hall. Um, There's a lot of them and uh, we welcome them uh, today as well. Uh, My name is Bob Campbell. I'll be your moderator uh, for the day for this meeting. Um, We want to remind you that lunch costs $11, uh, and you know there's no free lunch. Therefore, uh, put your $11 in the basket, and we would ask someone at the table to uh, uh, count to make sure the tally is correct. Uh, We are a volunteer nonprofit organization, and so we're always on the lookout for volunteers and for members and for money. And so Lisa... Uh, can wave there. She will look after you in any of those categories if you are interested. Uh, and if you want to be on our uh, email list and mailing list, uh, she's the person to talk to. Uh, we are certainly grateful to and acknowledge our partners, the University of Lethbridge. Uh, we uh, uh, are very always pleased with Country Kitchen Catering and the fine job that they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we uh, also acknowledge uh, Shaw TV for their recording of these sessions, and they uh, broadcast them on uh, Sunday afternoons at 4.30, and to the Lethbridge Herald for their assistance in uh, in publicity around this as well, and also covering uh, the uh, topics for us in the paper. So today we have a, a very interesting topic, and I think you're... Uh, Presence here today certainly uh, indicates that uh, drilling for oil and gas within corporate boundaries of a municipality. What are the issues? So I think we're uh, going to skip the. Uh, you know the. You know the issue. It's uh, already mentioned. Our speakers today uh, are two: uh, David Hill and Tim Robillard. Uh, Dave. Uh, David has a background in oil and gas uh, drilling and production with the regulatory uh, sector for over 30 years. He now is consulting on his own, providing regulatory advice, negotiations, and conflict management in oil and gas, as well as training. Uh, Anyone who goes into conflict management uh, uh, deserves a certain degree of uh, empathy. Uh, Tim Robillard has a background in community engagement, uh, Aboriginal relations, and conflict management, and is also experienced in regulatory matters pertaining to oil and gas development. So we welcome our speakers, and we will now begin our session. Tim and...
2: Thank you, Bob, and good afternoon, everyone. Thank you very much for your attendance and participation and interest in the topics here today. My name is Tim Robillard, and I am one of two representatives of Golden Key Oil, Inc. here today. We have a prepared presentation to run you through. I will give a little proviso. We wanted to make it as informative as possible, so we've got a large number of slides, and we may find ourselves making haste through some of them, so I will apologize in advance for that and offer up our availability not just shortly after this event but ongoing throughout uh, this particular project, which we will speak to as it unfolds over the next several months. So, uh, as Bob indicated, we have some information to share. We want an informed discussion at the conclusion around matters that are common to us. Um, I myself have the consultative aspects of the project that deals with interested parties and different stakeholder groups. Dave will speak to some of the more technical aspects of the proposed project that Golden Key Oil uh, is now uh, out in the public domain about uh, engaging with people about it. As representatives of Golden Key, our role is to facilitate a healthy dialogue amongst different participants and those that are interested, those who have different varying views and interests as it relates to the project. We're about two-way communication, and I hope you'll experience that as uh, those of you who are that interested deal with us as things unfold. Golden Key has chosen to acquire minerals uh, that are within the uh, city limits of Lethbridge. They've acquired them from the Alberta government, and uh, we are here in the middle of that together. and I'm hoping we're going to find uh, a half decent, uh, mutually beneficial and collaborative way out and through it. The outline for what we're going to cover includes uh, how the minerals were acquired very briefly. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the kinds of issues that face projects of this nature that include common, local, and private issues. We'll uh, talk about the Golden Key project as it's currently known to be. And then we'll, of course, have the lunch and welcome information, issues, questions, and discussions. So, minerals are publicly auctioned off but carried on through private bids by the Alberta government. They're leased with a time limitation for leaseholders who acquire those mineral rights to drill. The conditions can include minimum amount of time required for the acreage to be drilled and to earn the mineral lease or portions of it. There's a royalty structure formula that gets agreed to with the Alberta government, that golden key Uh, would have to adhere to, should the wells uh, be placed on production and get that far, they would have to contribute back to the Alberta government the revenues or portion thereof. There's a reversion. If the minerals don't get fully uh, developed or produced, uh, certain minerals will have to revert back to the Crown or the Alberta government. And so we as a province and Golden Key and citizens essentially uh, only gets what's drilled. These kinds of projects, um, having done a number of them in different jurisdictions, in different geographical placements, this particular one uh, has what we view as three key types of issues attached to them. If we were to categorize them, characterize them or put some color or themes to them common issues local issues and private issues common issues we've come to learn as themed concerns raised in similar but perhaps different projects local issues are localized and specific issues relating to a proposed activity in a certain (laughs) geographical area private issues are those raised by a particular landowner who is negotiating to have facilities on his or her land. To elaborate on the three common issues are these themed concerns raised uh, similarly and similarly themed, but perhaps in different geographical areas or different project types. So no matter where a project is situated, it's in somebody's backyard. And so being that it's always in somebody's backyard, there has to be a balancing of all the interests of all the stakeholders as best we can with the corporate interests and the governing rules of the day. Projects who, that might sort of uh, apply to common issues are any and all and exist on a continuum everything from an extreme, say, uh, landfill site or nuclear power plant or uh, significant mine or a gravel pit near a hamlet, all the way down through airports, penitentiaries, logging projects, highways, uh, parks or malls, uh, racetracks. They all exist on a different... um, of a continuum whereby common issues can be seen to surface. Some key themes include health and safety, consultation and the process by which people exchange information and get different understandings of what's being proposed, and also environmental protection. Local issues um, are more specific the more localized and get a little more customized, if you will, based on the type of project, the geographical location, and whatever is in proximity. Things like future land use. What about potential development restrictions? Environmental protection. Noise, dust, traffic, and the like. Health and safety. And proliferation of development. How much is enough when it comes to a certain project? or how much is enough when it comes to certain land development. Private issues, those raised by a landowner who a company of whatever ilk is negotiating with, can include things like location on my property. I would like it here because, because, or it's important to me to have this happen this way. Compensation is a key thing. Access and security is important. Environmental elements, noise, dust, traffic, water, all these sorts of things uh, are of importance. Impact to lifestyle and or operations. Want to coexist with whatever is going on and minimize, if not eliminate, the impact that that landowner may or may not experience. So, for example, if it's an agricultural setting, The interest is to uh, maximize the agricultural production such that there's no negative impact to that particular person's lifestyle. The Golden Key Penny Project uh, will be elaborated on initially by Dave. He'll talk about some of the technical specifics and run you through a little bit about what's being proposed. Do you want to come and take it on from here, Dave? And then I'm probably going to circle back to tie off on things like safety and public consultation, and then we'll go to wrap, okay?
0: Great. Thanks, folks, and Tim, for for that good intro. Um, We had some... uh, handouts there for you with with some I don't know if we had enough for we didn't expect such a large crowd but if you if you can jot some notes down and or on a piece of paper we'd be happy after lunch to to take your questions on that uh, so so a little bit about golden key a small junior company um, ca- Canadian capital uh, that formed about seven years ago uh, looking at uh, oil development in the province and so they've uh, they're active in uh, a number of areas around the province uh, in the um, Viking area, a uh, little bit east of Grand Prairie, there's a number of the fields that are listed uh, as well here on a, f- on a further slide. But They have, uh, again, a focus on oil production, as these days it's common for companies to be focusing on that. Obviously, commodity prices are driving that sort of target. And, uh, and so this play is, is about oil oil development, or, or so it's hoped uh, that there's uh, oil development there. Um, They have uh, 17 wells in Alberta. Some are at different stages, some suspended, some still drilling actively, some producing, so at various points along the continuum. I think there's also, they've had a few abandonments as well. Uh, We've got a couple of wells in Saskatchewan, and uh, their total production, 60 barrels of uh, uh, energy equivalent or barrels of uh, equivalent production. So the way way companies... um, Categorize their amount of production is to combine their gas and their oil into a term called uh, barrels of oil equivalent of production per day. So um, the other thing here that I see is uh, a licensee liability rating of 3.09. What does that mean? That's something that the regulator has set up to uh, compare. Uh, each company, each month, has a calculation performed on it to uh, based on its production that it reports to determine, well, how much of, uh, of a company's asset to liability uh, situation do they have? Do they have more assets than, than liability? If the reverse is true, if there's more liability than, than an asset, then the company is uh, required to put up that difference in money. So that should, should there be anything happen to it, uh, if it goes uh, financially... Uh, ended, then, then there's these, these monies are available then to, um, to abandon properly. So that's something that the, the rate. So uh, 3.09 is a pretty healthy uh, asset to liability ratio for this company. Uh, again, a little bit more about their land. 131 sections of Crown land in both Alberta and Saskatchewan. Uh, 47 sections are held in Alberta, and 84 sections held in Saskatchewan around the Weyburn area. And these are all the mineral lands we're talking about, not surface lands. These are the minerals that are uh, held. Um, a little bit about the, the Penny Project. Um, there were seismic operations that were done a number of years ago that Golden Key acquired. Uh, they didn't necessarily initiate the seismic work, but that seismic uh, information was available through a seismic company, and so old Golden Key purchased that information uh, about the, the lands that were shot uh, just in, in the areas of that we're looking at, and uh, so uh, the minerals, uh, these were leased in 2011, and uh, so we're looking at three exploratory wells, two on one site, one on another, and exploratory meaning that these wells, there's no existing well already inside this pool that we're looking for quick look at where we are. For those of you who are interested in the, geol- the geology, this is just a table of formations that's generated by the regulator, and we're somewhere somewhere in the middle. It's really, if you look at the, uh, the y-axis here is more of a time uh, line, then you can see the age of the rock is somewhere, somewhere in the middle of the park there in the Mississippian age of, of things. Uh, but you can find out, and it wasn't the greatest diagram here, but you can go online to the, the regulator site and you can blow that up as well. So a little bit about the Penny Project itself, where we're, we're located. Again, um, we, uh, we've got, uh, I wish I had a pointer here, but uh, we've got, and I won't leave the mic. Okay, so we've got some, so the sites are in red there. The red where you see are the bottom hole locations, and the, the yellow uh, up to the, to the northwest there uh, is going to be the, um, the actual physical surface site. And so that's on one site, we've got the two, two wells that are targeting directional locations. Not horizontal, but directional. So the, the well will start out vertical, and then at some point, they, they kick off from vertical and, and then move to where the target is. And so that was all considered in the siting. Didn't want to have the sites right in the middle of the field, so we had to site it off-site or off to the side. Um, so the drilling plan, we need to uh, seek and obtain a regulatory approval, and that's part of what we're doing here. This is part of the the uh, pre-application work that we need to do to, to engage the folks that uh, might be affected or have concerns about it. Um, any it sh- Should there be a license granted, there's a site preparation that happens, a conservation of topsoil stripping. Uh, we'll, we'll be drilling a surface hole. That just means the first part of the hole, we drill to 391 metres, and we take all the pipe out of the hole, and we run in casing, and we cement that casing in place. And uh, we install that uh, steel uh, casing with cement, And we continue to drill a main hole uh, after that and uh, get to the total depth of the well. We evaluate the well, and then that's the decision point. Are we going to run plugs and abandon this well, or does it look like there's some commercial quantities there? And we would justify the cost of running and cementing in the production casing in the well. Um, So, again, uh, once that is is done, we'd have a. uh, a, Should we be successful in, in finding a commercial? zone of interest, we would perforate that. That means putting holes in the steel through the concrete right into the rock formation, and we would, uh, that creates an avenue for the f- fluids to flow. It also creates an avenue for us to stimulate the well. That's where we'll be uh, sending some high-pressure uh, fluids down with some sand behind it to open up the, the formation a bit more to uh, encourage the production into the wellbore. So this is, uh, again, more of a conventional fracture job as opposed to the horizontal multi-stage frac jobs that we've uh, heard about more in the, in the past. Um, we are going to be covering the base of the groundwater protection uh, by uh, 20 or 30 metres uh, on our drilling plan so that, that there will be a barrier, a cement and steel barrier across the water aquifer. And then again, there'll be a secondary barrier when the production casing has run <laughs> and cemented in, and it'll, so there's a double barrier for that uh, water aquifer. Okay, I'm just going to slip across to a few more slides here, and I think what I've just mentioned, this is the pictorial representative uh, representation of what I've just talked to, being the water aquifer on the side there and the, uh, the depth of the surface casing down at 391 meters. Groundwater is 365 is where the basic groundwater protection is. Um, So again, there's some details here about the whole geometry and sizes. If you like, you can uh, have a look at that. And uh, the the drilling fluid itself that we use is a non-toxic material. And once it it, it passes certain uh, toxicity, or just a check for toxicity, it's uh, processed by land spreading while drilling, a very common practice used in central Alberta for disposal of drilling fluids. Okay, so um, this is showing the... 7-inch casing that we'd be running. Uh, this is showing it in a vertical position, probably entering the, the zone at a bit of an angle. Couldn't get the graphics to show it at entering a bit of an angle because it is a directional well. Here, here's just what I've described. This is the pictorial representation of the, uh, the the perforating gun going in perforating holes in at that level. That's around 1,700 meters, a little over a mile uh, deep into the ground. And here's showing the simulation that would happen after that perforation where we put some uh, mostly water. We're looking at about 300, a little over 300 cubic meters of water to, um, to, do, this, uh, to do the simulation here. And uh, so that's, uh, uh, again, much smaller volume than we're seeing in some of the large multi-stage fracturing. Uh, we've, got, um, uh, we've made inc- initial inquiries to the city to use mun- municipal water for that uh, project. Um, the Big Valley formation showing that they would then, if there was a pr- product in the rock, it would then flow into the well bore and then we would equip the well bore to produce. Very likely you'd see that sort of uh, I- the iconic symbol of the oil industry, the pump jack on the well. That's the, that's the type of artificial lift system that we'd be employing in this case. And then on to uh, production, we'd have some uh, production facilities on site uh, that would uh, look somewhat like this. Uh, this is just a ge- sort of a generic uh, photograph of a, of a kind of facility that it would look like missing in this photograph is just outside of the photograph was would be the tankage in secondary containment for the oil to uh, to rest in the tank. The gas was, is going to be conserved and sent to uh, Bonavista has a, as a gas infrastructure here, so we 'll be conserving the gas because all oil that 's produced. In the province has gas associated with it, and so we need to. We're looking at conserving that gas, sending it into Bonavista system, and uh, the oil then would be trucked out, and using the similar routes, trucking routes that are already used by Bonavista. I think they have a couple of B train trucks that come out twice a week, and we'd be uh, uh, recognizing and cognizant of the timing of trucking to minimize the impacts there. Okay, so a little bit about the uh, production equipment. The lease, of course, itself would be bermed, also fenced, chain link fence uh, to, and secured with a lock, and uh, we'd have a, a typical wellhead pumping unit. We'd also have, in this case, we'd have the, uh, there'd be some additional requirements, or not requirements, but things that we're going to do, like an environment, what they call an environmental stuffing box. Basically, it's a piece of equipment on the wellhead. Should there be a leak detected around the wellhead, it automatically shuts the well in and sends a... A message out to the operator to come and have a look. Okay, uh, so the oil is accompanied by gas, as I mentioned. I mentioned some of these points all, all already. There, the the nature of the production. We've been uh, we've done some research on this for the. So, was there going to be some hydrogen sulfide going to be associated with this? We had to, were required to do a, a search in a fairly large area, and the analogous area that we could find for this type of formation. Uh, showed that, and it was quite a distance away, but showed that there would be uh, the potential for about 400 parts per million of H2S hydrogen sulfide. Uh, to put that in perspective, 1% H2S flow stream is equivalent to 10,000 parts per million, so we're down at 400 parts per million, so it's a fairly low sour uh, sour gas. The regulator um, indicated that that was the appropriate amount of H2S we should be planning for, and they used a pretty conservative modeling to come up with that so we also expect very low volumes of that gas that I mentioned it would be fairly low volumes so the, the, main, the main portion of that gas will go through a separator and then onto a Bonavista system the oil then goes to a tankage and there would be a very small amounts then of, of solution gas that would be uh, vented at the tanks very similar to all the production that is existing in this area here it would, of course, be a sweet production because it would go through a scrubber before it would be vented, uh, any venting to atmosphere. But the main supply of the gas, the main production of the gas, will be conserved into Bonavista system. Vista system. Um, a little bit more there about the H2S. Often when there's H2S involved, the, the regulator w- requires you to uh, calculate an em- emergency response plan or or emergency planning zone. How big do you have to uh, plan for in case you had an emergency event? And so in this case, we've got the calculation leads us to a... And this is approved and actually assigned by the regulator was less than 10 metres in this particular case. So it's very small radius to plan, so it stays on the location. So even although there is no emergency response plan required, however, we have put one together, a site-specific one in case... Uh, there is an event, and we've, we've forwarded that to the city, to their fire chief, have a look at that, and uh, so that's an ongoing work uh, as well. Okay, um, this is some technical information about the emergency response planning. Uh, as I said, uh, there wasn't one that's required formally, but we've we've put one together. We also The company also has a corporate plan that they have to uh, have and, and exercise, and it and has to be in place, and and Golden Key has has one as well. Okay, some of the safety measures we've got uh, uh, another, a, dr- a drilling and completions plan that uh, incorporates things like contractors all being uh, having core certification. That's a certificate of recognition that is uh, prevalent in the industry, which uh, some of the better contractors uh, will have. And so, um, and so I say well sites will be bermed, fenced. Um, additional fencing than the minimum requirements. Flaring and site-specific ERP, as I've mentioned that one already. Um, there'll be uh, regular and frequent safety meetings uh, as, as we uh, relay the importance of this location and the sensitivity of it to the contractors. And uh, There'll be continuous monitoring on the site in the production mode, so that if there's an, is an upset, there's a call-out system, as I mentioned earlier with the environmental stuffing box. Um... Vessel shutdowns, high-pressure shutdown, uh, high-fluid-level high shutdowns, this site will be equipped with, again, to, uh, to shut in any, any further production in case there's an upset. Um, I've mentioned some of these items already. We'll be using sealed trucking units to t- take the oil out to minimize any venting or odors through the city. And uh, these are some of the applicable um, directives that the regulator has that we have uh, certainly made sure that we uh, meet the, the standard there and in fact, uh, exceed it in in many cases. Um, okay, so I've got I'm getting the time sign here. So uh, participant involvement. Just I don't know. Maybe I, I'll throw it off to you, Tim, to to just finish up on some of this participant. That's kind of uh, where Tim has been been expert in in helping us here. So. So uh,
2: with that. Uh, uh, list of safety measures that, and uh, project technical aspects that Dave was running through. While some uh, people might view this project as relatively routine, uh, as I flagged at the onset, there are different types of in- issues and interests and concerns that uh, we've already started learning about. Um, in order to continue to learn... To understand and work towards mitigating that, we got to do some participant involvement and want to engage certain stakeholders in communications. It's guided by the AER and Directive 56. We are in the midst of early consultation activities, and what you'll find here today uh, outside, and some have already grabbed them, hard copies of the presentation, it'll also be available online, and also importantly for us to help Uh, plan with you on an ongoing basis. There's a criteria gathering and input sheet that we would really appreciate anyone's um, contribution on, and so if you're welcome uh, to yourself to fill one out and hand it to Dave or myself or even a SACPA representative can take it and ensure that it gets to us, um, we'd really welcome that, that input and feedback as we've been getting some along the way. We have some community consultation events planned, October 24th we'll be doing a public open house here in the City of Lethbridge. We have other meetings happening with interested stakeholder groups and different uh, special interest groups uh, so we can advance that dialogue and get some understanding going, get some issues identification and perhaps some mitigation measures on the table that maybe, maybe we can find some uh, commonality with. All this will be ongoing throughout the life of this project. Uh, this is not something that happens and then uh, a company disappears. If we are here and there are uh, local, common, or private concerns, we're, we're corporate neighbors, says Golden Key.
1: Excuse
2: me. Excuse me. No Can No, no, no. no question. No. No no. right. I will say that... Uh, We are looking to try and select as much uh, corporate contracting as possible. Uh, I'll remain brief on that subject for now. But within municipal limits, we want to engage the municipality early. And that's typically when proponents take a project such as this that are close to municipal limits. They want to engage municipalities as early as possible. Reach out to potentially interested stakeholders That has all been part of the early consultation phase. Learn and grow the dialogue as a result of those activities. Respectfully balance interests. And in this case, we are aware of the City of Lethbridge's policy and their resolution against the drilling of wells within the city limits. So that leads us to back inside the umbrella of common, local, and private issues. We anticipate that additional examples are occurring for you here today. I talked with you a little bit about what's coming up. There is an event coming. Dave and I are available. There is a project website currently being set up that we expect to have live next week that will have documents, the maps you saw today. I also have a couple hard copies of that with me and other related information that might be helpful to better understand the project and its uh, relation to your world and our mutual worlds. I will uh, move then to say thank you very much for all of your interest and attention and the ears for the last half hour. Thank you to SACPA for hosting us, and we look forward to an ongoing dialogue and the outcome of all this as it unfolds to be determined by all of us.